Today's podcast is sponsored by Black 13, named Best Tattoo Studio in the annual Nashville Scene Reader's Choice Awards for every year since 2010. Located in historic Cummins Station since 2008, Black 13 does not have a typical approach to tattoos. With a clean, comfortable, welcoming environment, the studio has built a reputation around the finest artistry and customer's experience possible. Black 13 has a talented stable of artists with versatile styles who can help you get the look you want. Open from noon until 9 p.m., Monday through Saturday, Black 13 offers appointments as well as walk-in availability. And I ought to know, when I decided to get my first ink last year, I trusted Black 13's artists to help me create the personal statement I wanted to make, and the result was outstanding. Owner Doy Gardner says that the experience starts from the minute a customer contacts us, and he's exactly right. So if you're thinking about a tattoo, talk to the folks at Black 13. For more information, including a gallery of their studio and their work, check out black13tattoo.com online. And now, let's talk hockey. Coming to you live from the ugliest building in the Gulch, it's the Nashville Scene Podcast. My name's Steve Cavendish. I'm the editor. Uh, we appreciate you listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, I think we're everywhere now. <laughs> we have Megan Sealing and David Beauclair here today. Megan is our hockey outsider as a longtime Preds fan and season ticket holder. Megan has seen, has witnessed a lot of games from the fan perspective. David Beauclair is our hockey insider, having covered the Preds in some capacity for the last two decades. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about the upcoming season. Now, you can't start with this season without thinking about last season. And let's talk about last year's run. Uh, I want to ask you both about what you remember most about the postseason run. David? I remember, uh, as I would, all the crowd of media. You know, I can remember it wasn't that long ago that the, the first day of Predators training camp attracted three media members. And then <laughs> when you get... Uh, when you get that deep into the playoffs and and it really starts to pick up in the second round there's a huge jump to the conference finals and and then to the the Stanley Cup final you start to realize just how many people are are looking at this team and and talking about this team and talking about this city and you know certainly in the case of the Predators last year and the fan base and all those things that were going on and it uh, it, it really it, it it kind of puts a lot of pressure on you because you f- you feel like you're here talking to this person, but you see 20 people around that player and 20 people around <laughs> that player, and, and you're just consumed with this paranoia of what am I missing? And you just you just kind of have to remind yourself that you're you're one person, and I've and never you do heard what of, you do. I've never heard of like media locker room FOMO before, but uh, it, it's it's a real thing, at least for me. I, I live with it. Yeah, <laughs> Megan, 
What was the what was the thing that stood out most to you about the about the playoff run last year? I think it was the fans, which I I feel like is the obvious answer. But to watch the entire city fall in love with this team in a way that I had never seen the city interact with the Predators before was just amazing. Like I followed the Predators when I lived in Seattle several several years ago. I've been going to games since living in Nashville for five years. They've always been really electric, really exciting. But this was like unheard of amounts of fandom, just like downtown filling the streets like even you know fans that i've sat next to for years having an enthusiasm that didn't exist before um and they were obviously all just kind of falling in love with the team in an entirely new way um and that was just it was electric to be sitting there in the building and and from a hockey perspective uh, i have to say all the all the moves peter laviolette had to make or chose to make and how they seem to work when you know when guys get injured and you you, you put Colton Sissons up on a top line or you, or you put Pontus Auberg in the lineup or you you add Frederick Gaudreau to things and you, you decide to play Mika Salamaki here or, or Vern Fiddler there it seemed like right up until the last couple of games I I can't remember a coach making so many moves that worked sort of exactly as you want them to work and and that's that's one thing that uh that i hope people remember about that run is from a uh, from a from a hockey perspective there was some I guess you would have to call it some real coaching expertise on display there because, as we all know, it wasn't just as simple as you put 20 names on the board every night and go. Yeah, the versatility was amazing. Like, because Johansson got out because of a leg injury. Fiala broke a leg. He was out. Uh, Ellis was out for, for a spell. Fisher was out for a minute. Like, and to have to replace these big players with these little guys that have maybe never played. <laughs> Uh, much NHL, uh, let alone playoff games against the Penguins, for them to step up and just like, you know, they didn't even have when they were like doing the big opening on the ice. They didn't even even have their pictures to project onto right, the ice right. because they were like not prepared at all to have these guys play. Uh, and just the versatility well, of, of the, the the coaching, but the players too was incredible. And that's the thing I find really interesting because because David, you're talking about all these moves that it's not like Laviolette was, was making all of these moves because he was just an incessant tinkerer. I mean, he had to make a lot of these moves, but whether they were injuries or there were productivity questions or whatever. Well, late, late in the playoffs he did early on. He was, he was more tinkering. You think about the, the Chicago series and, and he went with the fast lineup and, and Harry Zolnerchuk had just a dynamic series. The, the first game in particular, then, then they get matched up against the blues and, and he went with a more rugged lineup there and, and Vern Fiddler scores a, scores a huge goal and, and Cody McLeod starts to play a big role. And, and it just, and it just seemed like everything he did worked exactly the way he wanted it to. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure every coach goes into a series with, you know, plan A, B, C, D, and E, and and it felt like he never got, never had to go to plan B in in any of his decisions. He, they just all, they just all seemed to work the way he wanted them to. And that was, uh, there were names like Auberg and Sissons that they were not on the score sheet all year long, or certainly not in a significant way. Sissons, I mean, how do you expect somebody to score a hat trick? Right in the playoffs <laughs> like that. I mean, some of them didn't even have didn't even have booths in the locker room. Like, right, they had to set up the the folding chair for Freddie Hockey because he had nowhere to sit. So he's <laughs> just like sitting in the middle of the room on a metal chair. He's like, I I don't care. I'm I'm happy to be here. And, and a guy like Auberg is is somebody 
you know the average fan probably didn't know about, but the Predators have been sort of waiting and and you hear it every year from from coaches and executives that you know every player takes a different amount of time to to develop or to to find his game in the NHL but but Pontus Auberg was a guy who some years ago battled Philip Forsberg in Sweden's junior division for the you know to be the leading scorer and the leading goal scorer so that you know that tells you a little bit about this guy and the talent he has now for him to have his moment and and find his legs in the conference finals in the Stanley Cup finals I you know I don't think anybody would have picked that spot but he's a guy that that I think people in this organization have been had been waiting for and and expecting at some point he was going to be able to do some of those things so the finals didn't end the way necessarily preds fans wanted to uh but still a pretty high pretty a pretty high note to end on for a season and then comes summer and then comes changes first thing is the expansion draft and you know bye-bye james neal and then yeah, that sucked. <laughs> and then Fisher retired. Let's talk a little bit about the the captaincy because they, they, they had a bunch of options. And I remember a column, David, that you wrote uh, at the beginning of the playoffs last year, um, saying that the the Preds were were going to go as far as Ryan Ellis took them, and that and that Ryan Ellis was a future captain. He was future captain material. Yeah, he he's a guy, and I and I mean this in the best possible sense. Plays with a tremendous arrogance. He has zero doubts about his own ability <laughs> and, and and how he fits into this team and how other guys should play. And 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 he's a guy I really thought was uh, was the most likely candidate to replace Mike Fisher as captain because I I think he's a guy who holds others accountable because he holds himself to such a high standard and uh you know i I think the fact that that they named him an associate captain as opposed to just an alternate captain uh speaks to the fact that that they seriously considered him but the fact that he is injured and and will miss the first two to three months of the season i I think they felt like maybe they they couldn't give him that title i I think if you're going to do that you name him captain you name roman yossi associate captain and say yossi will do the job for the first three months sort of keep the seat warm until ellis gets in there but but that's not the way they went about it that's what i was expecting i was expecting ellis to get it yossi to 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 be the the stand-in i guess for the the first few months and then when ellis came in have them do like the ceremonious like passing of the sea um so i was was surprised to see yossi take it but once once they announced ellis was out until at least january i was like well then it's yossi obviously i think he was the next choice i I thought they maybe they could have given it to hartnell yeah, that was sort a good of idea a, too. You know, welcome back, old timer sort of thing, because you could take it away from a guy like him. It's a one year contract. It's a one year contract. He's the he's the kind of the he has ties to the old Preds, uh, and he. But certainly at this point in his career, he would he would think it's an honor. But you could certainly take it away. Right. I think the we, we don't want another temporary captain though, and I think when they gave it to Fisher, they knew it was maybe only going to be a year. Like he had been talking about retirement, he was getting old in hockey years anyway. Um, they knew it could have potentially been a one-year thing at the time, and I think to do another, like let's give it to this guy for a year. I, they needed somebody who could be permanent. Um, the the interesting thing about about if Ellis, if you'd given the C to Ellis and he wasn't there uh, at to start the season, 
God, it would have been so much fun in like the two weeks ahead of his comeback of, is he going to play tonight? <laughs> right. Is he going to play right. next week? And like, like the PR sort of dream thing of, you know, he gets to skate out onto the ice, you know, and now the captain. Right. And, it just it would have been a really nice moment. Yeah, and, and say this, and, and I think maybe you know Megan makes a good point too. You, you had a new captain last year. You have a new captain this year. It, it it is an important role in the NHL, and much more so than I think other sports. And and it isn't it isn't a job you just want to keep passing around. And um, you know I, I even addressed it in this week's scene cover story that uh, if you if you look at the if you look at the twenty years the Predators have been in the NHL. Only one team has won the Stanley Cup with a captain who was in his first year in that role. There have been five teams that won with a captain in his second year, and several of those teams have gone on to win multiple cups with that captain, most notably Pittsburgh and Chicago. So I, I think if you get the right guy and, and he stays in that role for a long time, it can really have a huge impact in your organization. And and say this about Roman Yossi from a... Uh, from a talent standpoint, from a career standpoint, from a production standpoint, from respect in the locker room standpoint, there's no arguments with that oh, guy. Oh, no, no, not the, at the all. O- the only question I have is he is such a nice guy and such a genuinely happy all-the-time guy. Can he pull whoever aside at a particular point and say, look, you're not doing your part. I want to see more out of you. I need more from you. And, you know, just really get after a guy in that regard. I, I don't know if he can do it. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Megan? I can imagine Ellis getting in somebody's face. Yeah. You know, like yeah. his, his beard, <laughs> his giant beard. Um, yeah, Yossi is just a very happy gentleman. Now, you got to ask him. I did. I was. Uh, it was Petey's Preds party, which is a couple weeks back at this point, and uh, they hadn't announced anything yet. I think the, the, the team was still saying that they haven't decided anything, and uh, and it wasn't really a media event. So Yossi was, when I asked to, to just take a picture for In Focus, I was covering it for, for our sister publication, uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. He didn't expect me to be like, so what do you know about the captain position? Is it going to be you? <laughs> and there's this great picture that the photographer snapped it right then of him just like looking shocked, like not prepared for that at all. <laughs> um, and then he just kind of was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I was like, I'm just kidding. Like, you don't really have to tell me. Uh, he was like, no, I honestly don't know. I really don't. And like, he kind of kept insisting, even as I was like walking away that he did not know anything. Um, and I think that was like sincere, you know, like, don't jinx it. I don't know anything. Um, don't tell anybody that I know anything. Like he seemed genuinely kind of surprised that I would even suggest it. And, and the selection, his selection is not something the Preds just pulled out of a hat either. You go right. back, you go back a little more than a year. It was June of last year. I was working on a, a story about Roman Yossi just because, and uh, I talked to David Poyle, the general manager in the and in the course of our conversation he said to me i see him as a potential captain someday and and listed three or four reasons and and it was it was an interesting quote it it didn't make my story cuz it wasn't relative to what i ultimately wrote that time but it became a whole lot inter- more interesting a week later when all of a sudden Shea Weber got traded and i went back to my notes pulled that quote out and and you know, built a built a story around that. So this is you know this is this is a guy that they've looked at. At least management has looked at for I can say at least a year with certainty as as a guy that that they think is is worth being a captain. And to what you were saying, 
the the idea of a captain uh, is not a short term, usually not a short term thing. I mean, it makes sense that management looks at players over a long period of time, thinking that's our guy. Uh, these these are the leaders for the long term health of a franchise, and and it's a guy who will create a consistent locker room atmosphere and standard of expectation as seasons go by and players change and because because that's what happens you know we started this segment talking about that there are changes every year and and if you have that if you have that consistency in terms of who is the number one guy in the locker room the the personnel changes don't create personality changes within the team which makes it all the more interesting that a year ago the preds traded their captain yeah yeah I mean, that's just even uh, the, the, the more we've talked about this here over the last couple of weeks, I keep coming back to, holy shit, they traded their captain a year ago. I didn't see that coming at all. I thought Weber was a was a lifetime predator. Um, Certainly after, so, the, you know, after like, they matched the Philly contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like they put a lot of effort into keeping that guy around. Um, and I know like it got a little shaky when Suter left, but because uh, they were a real good team. But um but yeah, I, I thought they were going to keep him for good. And it was one of those things, though, where it's like you hear that he was traded and for a second you're like, for who? And then you realize it's like the one other personality in the NHL that made sense. And it was P.K. Subban. And it's like, OK, well, that I'll take that trade if I need to. <laughs> you know, like that's that's all, I'm OK with that. I don't love it, but I'll accept it. And, and, and looking at the Ellis injury, I, I think we have to look at P.K. Subban and say, okay, what else do you have? I mean, this is a guy that everybody sort of expected to come in and, and really put up huge numbers, be the star of the defense, all those sorts of things. He ended up having his lowest point total in four seasons and and, and really settled in. I mean, it was a big role, but he was he was a role player. He, he sort of he sort of settled in behind Ryan Ellis uh, on that side of the defense and 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 did a nice job. His his responsibility sort of grew throughout the postseason. I thought he was really good in the playoffs. But uh, with uh, with Ellis out of the lineup for a little while, this I think this is PK Subban's chance to sort of put his foot on the gas again and say, "All right, Nashville, I've got a lot more to give this team offensively and stylistically and whatnot." And uh, and now you're going to see it. That that's a guy I'm really going to be watching the first few weeks of this season. Do you think it takes a year for somebody like that to like feel settled in? And I mean, I, I know they're professionals, and I know that that they're gonna that they're gonna play at an extremely high level. But you know, his numbers were down. Yeah, and part of it was he was hurt, and even when he was back in the lineup, he was hurting. But but for him, I think it does. He he's a guy who feeds off the crowd energy and and the excitement around his personality and the things he does off the ice. And and I've thought about this a lot. It's really fascinating. So much of what we heard when the trade was made was, "Oh, Nashville, you're going to love this guy. He 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 does this and he does that, and there's all these things off the ice, and he's such a celebrity and such a star." Well, guess what? We know stars in this town. We have stars all the time. We're not impressed by stars and what they do outside of their their venue. In fact, so many so many stars of Hollywood and and the music industry and whatnot live here because people don't pay attention right. to that stuff. And and I and and you didn't hear a lot about 
all the different things P.K. Subban had going on during last season because that's the way it is here in Nashville. And I wonder if that wasn't odd to him and, and he maybe sort of missed that sort of attention, which, you know, going back to the playoffs and the way he played there, obviously he drew a lot of attention. He got a with lot the, of attention with, you know, the Particularly with the Listerine thing and Sidney Crosby and all that. And I think I think that sort of fueled him. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it, he's going to be here for a while. He's just going to have to learn to live with not being followed all the time the way he was in Montreal. Well, and he wasn't controlling that narrative in the playoffs that I thought was really interesting, like the Listerine thing. Um, like, he sort of egged that on a little bit, but the way that Sidney Crosby responded, like pounding his head into the ice, the way Mike Milbury ended up talking about him, like, there was a lot of attention You mean when Sidney Crosby should have been thrown out of a game? Yeah, when, when Sidney Crosby should have been banned for at least a game, uh, and when Milbury should have been canned. Um, like, <laughs> I, it, those were that was a lot of attention that was coming up around him that he couldn't control that's not the kind of fun like i'm gonna go do karaoke on lower broad with a bunch of bachelorette parties sort of like good time party energy that he likes to do uh and so i think i wonder if that either i don't think it got into his head in any way but it definitely made him kind of like put his head down and be like okay i need to focus because it's getting a little out of out of his control anyway sure um so i wonder if that had anything to do with him just being like i'm just i'm gonna I'm going to work on keeping the puck in the zone because that seemed to be like during the playoffs, he would just like throw his body on the ice on a regular basis uh, just to keep the puck from going out. David had a cover story last spring and the we, we put these words on the uh, cover. Should we believe in this team? I think or should we, we believe in the Preds? Should I we believe, believe in the Preds? You know, that kind of that that team as constituted. Turns out we should have. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there were there were sort of questions about uh, about it up to that point. We're in a different place right now. Um, how much should we believe about this year? It, this seems like we have a whole new set of expectations. Having been to the Stanley Cup final, I mean, part of it is is every fan sitting there dreaming about God, wouldn't it be great to get back there and finally lift the cup. But but there's also not every bit of that is brand new now. We've sort of been there. So what do we what do we expect from the team? It's it's a really good question, and I've gone back and looked at it um, in in the NHL's current setup, which I trace back to the two thousand five oh six season that lockout season after the season after the lockout when they put in new areas of emphasis for the rules, the salary cap, all of that. This era has not been kind to teams that lost in the Stanley Cup final. Of all the of all the teams that have lost during that span, only one franchise has ever even made it back to the final. And that was Pittsburgh, which lost to Detroit in 2008. They made it back for the first time in 2009. Obviously, they've won 3 times since, but but beyond that, only two other teams have even gone as far as the conference final again since losing in the Cup final. So I, so I, what you're what you're saying is there's that a hangover effect. There's a hangover effect, and because Nashville is not clearly favored by the league like Pittsburgh, that <laughs> that they're going to have a they're going to have a hard time uh, hard time making it back. Well, I, I think they're just going to have a hard time making it back because you know you play so long, you play so hard, and that disappointment sort of weighs on you. And and, and the narrative through much of the off season was, well, Nashville's a team that's going to be able to overcome that because they have all their key players back, or virtually all of their key players back. Particularly the defense is intact, their goalie's healthy. Uh, you know, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, these guys are all a year older and, and a year more accomplished and experienced now. And and, and 
I sort of bought into that too until the last couple preseason games, and and they very much look like a team that is just sort of like, you know, this isn't as exciting as it was in <laughs> in May and June, sure. and, and they're they're sort of going to have to play their way back into it. And and I think the best thing that can happen to them is you know they get in a big fight or so you know they get blown up. Something happens to to get their competitive sure. juices flowing again because right now they look like a team that's just sort of oh I can't wait for the playoffs. So can we <laughs> can we get back in the playoffs and do that again? See, I have a very like fairy tale expectation of it all because like last in the postseason we learned that like statistics and and the general rules did not apply to smashville like they swept the blackhawks nobody saw that coming well and they were like the eight seed they went all the way um remember they, remember when the the final seedings were locked in and i think every every single one of us in the office was sitting there going well hell yeah now yeah. we're now, like great well this isn't gonna work we're not gonna get we're not gonna beat the blackhawks you know because we we hadn't before and we swept them and so the all the expectations that people had and all of the like kind of careful fragility that we were going in with got blown away in round one which was incredible um and i i wonder like i know that the, the preseason so far has been less than impressive but i think there have been enough shakeups to make it feel like it's not so much of a hangover is kind of what i'm hoping like we get hartnell back uh, he's going to bring an energy. He played with Johansson. Johansson is stoked to be playing with him again when they were in Columbus. Um, and then I think once they, like, not to get cheesy, but once they lift that banner, the Western Conference Championship banner, and Smashville, like, once the fans explode and relive those moments of last June, and that stadium gets as loud as it ever had been, that I think that's going to remind them where they were and what they're capable of, and and it might set the tone for for the early season and kind of take away some of that like is it the playoffs yet Blues you know um, and just kind of re-energize and and reset. Yeah, two two things they have going for them with the early schedule is game two. Um, is a, is at Pittsburgh, so they Ooh. they have to go back to Pittsburgh where they they didn't get a win in the Cup final, and and you know there'll be emotion in, involved in in going up against the Penguins again. Sh- so I think that that'll be get, an NBC game. I, I think it? I yeah. think that'll get. I think it's not an NBC game. No, it yeah. should be. No, <laughs> uh, in fact, the Predators did not get a single NBC game in their uh, in their regular season package, which I thought was really odd considering what a what a big story this team was off the ice and everything chicago's the only western conference team you're going to see on nbc during the regular season well that feels ridiculous but that's that's the story of nashville though like we're just going to continue being ignored and just continue like being awesome hopefully but but you'll go from the (laughs) pittsburgh game on saturday to the home opener on Tuesday, and uh, you know I agree with Megan. I think I think the home opener is the closest thing to a guaranteed win you're going to get in, in an NHL regular season game. If anybody out there gambles on NHL regular season games, <laughs> and God help you if you God do, help but, you if you do. But but I you know I, I, so I, I think those two right off the bat is probably a good thing for what I was talking about. Somebody asked me this on Twitter and I thought it was a, I thought it was a great question. You know, so they're going to raise the banner and it'll be nice. It's in the team's colors and so forth. But wouldn't it have been nice to have like hatch show print do like that banner? Uh, yeah, that would yeah. be great. Well, and hatch already has a bunch of art in, in Bridgestone, you know, they have, they have hatch posters all around, but I don't know how that works. Is that something that 
like the team is responsible for getting made, or is that I mean, an NHL no, certified? No, no, that, that's a, that's a yeah. Team so thing. that's and, and in fact, I, I I've always contended that the Predators should hang more banners. They should yeah. have a they should have had a banner that says playoff appearances or whatever. And, and you know maybe not one for every playoff appearance, but at least you list all the years that they've been there and hang up and, something. And cel- you know, celebrate your achievements a little bit more. A banner that that names guys who have played in the All Star game yeah. and you know th- things like that. I just think uh, and and the the line I've always gotten from from the team and from a from a number of fans is when there's something really worthwhile hanging a banner for, it'll be worth it. And that's you know that's clearly where we are now. Sure. Sure. So uh, the team is rolling out this uh, loudest fans in the NHL stuff in their marketing. What do we make of that? I think it's. I mean, I think it's obvious that was a big part of the storyline in uh, in June too. That we were breaking sound records. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. That was the talk. Um, and you know, like loudest stadium in the NHL. That was something that when the Seahawks did the same sort a, of thing. I, I took a meter. Bowl, I took a meter into a Western Conference final game, and and it hit, uh, and it hit something really high. I mean, I want to say it was like, it was well into triple digits, and it may have been, you know, like in the one fifteen to one twenty range. I mean, it really is unlike I've I haven't I've only been to like Vancouver and Montreal for other games, but the like Smashville is this entirely different league of fans, and it was even like years ago. Um, I mean, but I think it's fine. I think that's obvious that they're going to hold on to that and just encourage people to continue being very loud because <laughs> the players like they they keep saying that they feed off of it, that they love playing in that building because they can hear the fans on like another arenas. Like, I think, of course, they're going to do everything they can to remind people to scream their faces off. Yeah, it, it's there's this myth that it is far and away the loudest building in the NHL. It is it is loud by anyone's standards. It's loud, it's exciting, it's all those things. I don't mean to say that's not the case, but you go to Winnipeg in, in a playoff game or even even most nights and that's that's sort of a cozy building and it's really loud there. Chicago The downside is really you're in loud, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're in Winnipeg, that's right. I mean, there 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 are a number of places in this league where where it's really interesting now like vancouver is is a notoriously sort of quiet crowd and, and, yeah, like, like, well the, the the canadian that winnipeg is sort of an exception among the canadian markets because the canadians they're so immersed in the game it's sort of like you have to impress them with your play to get them into the game and uh whereas in nashville they're just thrilled to be there at the game and 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 get things going and and it's funny i I, i've never seen a i've never seen a building in any sport where a team has trained their fans so well (laughs) that as soon as the action on the ice stops you look up at the jumbotron because something's coming up there and you you know that that'll keep you involved and they want you to see him i mean that it's sort of you hear it all the time that that the fan experience is dying off and People are staying at home from sporting events because they can see the game better on their HD TVs and they can follow on their tablets and all these things. And, and and I don't know that Nashville did anything that any other team hasn't done in any other sport in terms of what they do between the whistles, but but fans here are just more into it than anywhere else. We're a woo town. Nashville <laughs> is a woo town. We will woo anything, I think, is is the the ultimate consensus. Um, Megan, what are you looking forward to this year? What do you want to? What, what's the the one thing that you're look saying? God, I, I can't wait to watch this on the ice. RV, <laughs> RV is a favorite, and like, and it's like I, I he's like the happiest little puppy. He's a little confetti cannon that goes off every night. He skates so fast and so hard and does not know how to stop. 
it's just, and just to watch him like fearlessly play the way he plays, which just looks almost reckless, is just it's the best thing. He looks like mildly drunk sometimes <laughs> as he skates, um, but in a in a great way. In a like, I am going to do anything I need to do with my body to stop what's happening from happening. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. I'm really excited to see Hartnell back. I like watching him play. Um, I didn't get to see him. He, he left the Preds before I became a, a smash villain. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see him take the ice. I'm really down on Victor Arvidsson, by the way. I just have to tell you. Yeah? How, how, did, how after the season that that guy had, how do you change your number? Oh yeah. You know, well, I, I mean, isn't that just an invitation for disaster? You don't mess with success. No, I, think I, I don't care if you've worn is... thirty three your whole life. <laughs> you, you 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 dominated last year's number thirty eight. You're you're now number thirty eight. I just I just think he's he's <laughs> he's tempting fate. By you wanted up, to up the jersey up the sales. That's yeah, what. Uh, <laughs> does Harvey get a cut on that? I mean, I know, I'm I don't know. You <laughs> okay. just re, you just have to remember it as like two sideways emoji hearts. Thirty-three for RV. That's that's how you remember the new the uh, new thing. Boki, who's going to make the leap this year? The the big leap, statistically yeah, I mean, speaking. So is if, that... if Arvidsson was your leaper last year, the guy yeah. who became the kind of a crucial player, who's uh, who's going to be a crucial player this year? You know the guy the guy who it needs to be, and and I'm not sold on is Kevin Fiala. Yes, um, Fiala when he has the puck on his stick is absolutely magical. Um, creative and and great hands and those sorts of things. So he's going to put up numbers, but he he still he he still is disinterested when when he doesn't have the puck or when he's playing defense and and he and he allows himself to get pushed around too much. Now he's still young. You know, we saw Philip Forsberg get a little stronger each year, and I and I think he continues to get stronger. Um, you know, Fiala still needs to get there in terms of. Uh, in terms of his conditioning, and and I don't know how long it's going to take him. Uh, yeah, how but, long? Do, how long does it take to get a new femur? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I wonder if he's going to come out with something to prove because he was looking real good in the playoffs, and then all of a sudden he he busts his femur in half. And so now I'm I'm hoping that because because I, I totally agree. I think you know there's once he has the puck. It's amazing, and but when he doesn't, it's like what? What are you doing? Yeah, it's he like he's watching kind of, butterflies, and so exactly, yeah. and so. Hopefully, he comes back and is like, "I broke my leg. I missed out on all of that that playoff experience, and and he's gonna need to to work hard and prove that he still has what he what he stopped what what he broke, I guess, uh, before the before the last season. The, the guy that would be really interesting to me if it happens though is Forsberg. You know, this is a guy who's fifty five to sixty points what, three years in a row now, right in there. If he makes a jump up to, say, 80, becomes a point-of-game point guy, which I think we all agree he can be, that'll make this team really interesting, really entertaining. And, and I mean, he's young enough. He can, you know, he still has room to go. Like, you, you look at a guy like Craig Smith, and they've been waiting for years for Craig Smith to, you know, become a 30, 35-goal scorer. That's not happening. Craig Smith is what he is. He's always going to be that Bless you, you, you you've got to live and die with it. Philip Forsberg is still he's still climbing. I, you know, I, I think his ascent isn't as sharp as it was, but uh, but he can. I think there's I think there's the potential for a jump for him like that. How about you, uh, Megan? What do you think? I, I I really do think that that something could happen with Fiala. I think he's going to come back with something to prove. Um, Johansson was already doing really well. I think watching him play is great, and I'd love to see him 
make like I, I don't know what kind of line he'd have to cross. I don't pay attention to statistics um, as much as as like an insider. I'm just a fan, <laughs> um, and also math is boring. But um, I, I would like to see Johansson kind of get up there more in the because like I think personality wise he's already a part of the like well and they're paying the main for, they're clip. paying for more now yeah too. yeah they're paying for more now too yeah um but to see him get up there to the point where like he's going to be considered captain in a few years you know or like I want to see him I want to see what he can do um, partly might be because he just got a brand new bulldog puppy well, so I'm just sort of obsessed with him in general no this is uh this is very important. Uh, not only does does he have a new bulldog puppy, but he has an Instagram account for his dog. It's the best. He already had a bulldog, Dougie. He's had a bulldog. Dougie has gone with him everywhere. Um, Dougie watched the playoff games with him from the hospital room when he when his leg exploded or whatever happened there. Uh, but apparently, Dougie has a new baby brother. Breaking news: His name is Dozer. He is a <laughs> tiny chicken nugget, and I am in love with him. <laughs> So I, I'm actually really curious to see what Dozer's going to do this season. Um, prediction for the season? How do you think it's going to end? Don't. don't I, nope. I don't do that. How far can they go? I can't do this. Don't ask me this. They're gonna, but they're going to be in the playoffs, aren't they? You're going to make me cry. <laughs> they're going to be in the playoffs. I can't handle. I, we we will see. I cannot jinx anything. I cannot assume anything. I get too emotional. Wow. I can't. I can't. I can't get hopes up. I can't get hopes down. Mr. I'm, I, I can't. Don't. Yep. Mr. Nope. Insider, give us the uh, give us the give us the cold knowledge here. They'll uh, <laughs> they'll they'll make the playoffs. Maybe it's the second seed out of the division. Um, That's a uh, which which would it's be, a tough division. It's a it's a very yeah. tough division. I, I think they'll I think they'll do well though. They'll hold their own there. Um, I think they'll beat somebody up in the first series, five games or a, a comfortable six games, sort of like the St. Louis series was last year. And then I think they run out of steam in the second round and uh, and they'll regroup and, and think about another cup run the year after that. Wow. They're it, going all the way. They're winning the cup and they're going to they're gonna put Sidney Crosby's <laughs> head in the bowl. Well, as much as I like <laughs> that, you said you weren't going to predict anything. I'm sorry, the heart wants what it wants. <laughs> It's a good place to end. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Finally, a couple of notes. Thanks to Jeff the Brotherhood for letting us use We Are the Champions from the Diamond Way album as our music. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or TuneIn. Rate us and leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And finally... If you like today's podcast, Preds fans, tune in next week. We've got a treat for you for the rest of the season. Thanks for listening.